All right, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. I'm Kenny Cochran. I'm joined here by my co-host, as always, Mr. Jake Hill. I hope you'll recognize from the last podcast down below our friend here, Mr. Jacob Camp. What's up, fellas? Jacob, uh, we talked about him last week. He is very involved in the UGA program. He is a former intern in the strength and conditioning staff, so he's got a little bit of insight into the football program, and uh, you know, we'll kind of ask him some more questions as as the podcast progresses as we get closer to the season. But tonight is a very, very exciting episode because I think I can speak for all of us when I say that um, as far as this season goes, when we're talking about Georgia football, we're talking about dog football, we are comparing quarterbacks. And uh, quarterback, as far as the football goes, is, uh, man, it, it's really where you make your money. It's where you lose your money. It's where the wins and the, the losses come from. And uh, we're talking about Stetson. We're talking about Bryce Young. We're talking about Will Levis. We're talking about all these guys. And tonight, we haven't announced it yet, but we have our rankings. SEC quarterbacks for you guys. We are pumped to have Jacob here to give us a little bit of uh, you know, what he thinks from inside the program to, to what we think as, as fans and as devoted dog diehards as, as we all claim. So um, we're, we're pumped, man. So uh, without further ado, we got some brave stuff to get into. We got some dog stuff to get into. We want to keep tonight's episode a little shorter than uh, two hours and 15 minutes like <laughs> they have in the past. Yeah. So Jake, uh, why don't, well, what do you say, man? Let's get into it. Um, Kenny, I have to start us off like I always do with, uh, that was a great introduction. Compliment the introduction. It was amazing. Clean as always. Um, I know you got a little best. bit of, I try my best, a little bit of Woodford reserve you're digging into tonight. So we should have a little bit of fun oh, on the pod. We're going to try to keep this stuff PG, PG 13, uh, but we'll, we'll see, we'll see what route we go in. Um, before we get too far into Brave Stock, I do want to say, if you're listening to us on the podcast side. Um, check us out on YouTube. You can check out our beautiful faces. You see Jacob. You see a cute dog. It's probably the cutest thing on this whole podcast. Uh, um, we also have a Twitter, Peach State Pod on Twitter, and the TikTok, Peach State Tailgate. We've been doing some work over there. I know the Twitter's pretty active. Kenny puts in work on the Twitter, putting out absolute bangers of tweets. Um, you know, working guys, we're working. We are we are working towards trying to get the following up. And you know, if if you are somebody that tunes in every episode, we we can always you know. We appreciate it so much. Um, and I never mentioned on the YouTube side, you see it right below me. Spotify and Apple Podcast. Um, check us out there. If you if you have to tune out of the episode for a little bit, you can always just you know listen to it on your daily commute to work, drive back home, all that fun stuff. I think that's enough on the introduction side of things. So I'll I'll go ahead and give us some Bryce some Bryce talk. I know last time we talked, the Braves were actually playing the Mets live. Um, at the time of that, I want to say Michael Harris hit it like a RBI double to give us the lead. And it was it was a max free Jacob DeGrom matchup, which everybody always gets excited for. It's one of the funnest matchups in baseball. Um and and we prevailed. The Braves beat the Mets that game, and that made us win the series three to one, which was a an amazing thing the Braves really needed to happen. But you know, things did not get any easier for the Braves because we had to face the Houston Astros, who are one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. And to be fair, we did not disappoint. The Braves were able to take two of three against the Astros at home. Um, Truist looked like it was absolutely bumping on the screen. Um, the Braves now are four games behind the New York Mets with the Mets coming back and beating the Philadelphia Phillies somehow. Um, even whenever the Phillies aren't playing us, they still disappoint us. Um, I don't never root for the Philadelphia Phillies, but th- today would have been the perfect day to root for them so we could keep that deficit at three. But the deficit's at four, and you know there's still plenty of baseball to play left this year, and... I'm confident with this with this Braves offense and the pitching staff right now that we're, we'll be able to make up even more ground and you know make this thing really really close going into those last couple weeks of October. The sad thing about today's game today it's a uh, time check. It is nine ten p.m. nine eleven p.m. now on uh, August twenty first. It's Sunday if you're listening to it. Um, the offense still stayed slow in a day game. It seems like this happens every single time the Braves run out of day game. We cannot get things rolling, and today was really no different. Um, we had a little bit, little late inning dramatics. Um, I want to say Travis Darno hit his first triple in a Braves uniform to drive in Mr. Matt Olson to cut the lead down to one. But man, Ryan Presley, the dude's dominant. The dude's really, really tough to hit, and and we couldn't, we couldn't get back in it. So 
We were able to get the tying run up to the plate today, but we, we still lost. But taking two or three against the Astros, you know, you can never be mad about that. I do want to say that tonight was the 32nd game, I believe, that is sold out as far as Truist goes, um, as far as in this current season. I know we've got a lot of, we've talked a lot about Liberty Media as the season goes on about top five and payroll and all the stuff that comes with the battery and, and, and income revenue. But, dude, 32 games at this point that have been completely sold out as Truist Park goes, like, I know the Astros, that's a big series. You know, it's a World Series rematch and whatever, but. 32 games, man. Like, y'all boys, as far if you're listening, you're showing up to the games, you're tuning in, you're watching. Like, this has been a big, big deal for these Braves. And you keep showing out. Like Alex said, when AA said when, when Austin Riley signed his big contract, like, if you guys keep selling out the stadium, we're going to keep producing hits. We're, we're going to keep producing contracts. We're going to keep producing players. Like, this is what makes the money. This is what gives the Braves the ability to pay these guys what they should be paid. I mean, you saw the contract come through with Austin, with Austin Riley, or uh, and Michael Harris, excuse me, and Austin Riley. And I, I know we'll probably get into it with tonight with the Dansby situation because I know it was released um, earlier in this series that the, the the conversation between Dansby and the Braves has started this past week as far as contract extension goes. And as far as the money goes, man, like selling out the stadium and, and, and bringing in that money – with tickets and, and the battery and everything, like, that's a testament to the fans, man. Like, the Braves, you can't, I mean, when you win a World Series, obviously the fan base is behind you, but this Atlanta team, like, the entire city, the entire state is behind these guys. Like, the entire Southeast, it feels like, is is putting their time and effort and their hard-earned money into buying tickets and watching these games. Like, we can't thank you enough, but this is what really makes the difference. Like, you talk about the teams like L.A. and New York. Week after week, we talk about this stuff. Like Baseball is based off of luxury tax, Jake, and, and you can probably hit on this more than I can, but these big market teams, year after year, they, they're able to pay guys. They're able to keep guys on the roster. Braves fans, like, this is the kicker, man. This is the difference. Like We are making such a difference in baseball. When you guys show up to the games, you're buying tickets, you're watching the games, you're, you're supporting the team like you do, and we know you are, this is what makes the difference. And, man, AA, it, it just says, it says so much about the general manager, and it says so much about the manager for the team. I mean, this team is set up for the future, for years to come, but as, as of where we stand right now with the players on the team, like, you can't ask for more from a team, from, from an organization perspective. Like, I mean, this team is just... We've got so many young guys. You talk about Vaughn Grissom. You talk about Michael Harris. You talk about Austin Riley, Acuna. Like, it, you can go down the list as much as you want to, but this team has such a bright future, and it's because of the fans. It's because of guys like us, the the listeners, the viewers. It's because of people like you. Like, if if we weren't here, the team wouldn't be in the position that we are today. And we're coming off the World Series, and we're we're obviously on cloud nine as far as victory goes, and as far as things like that go. And yeah, are we competing for the NL East title? Yes, absolutely. But as far as the postseason goes, man, like this team is in the position to make a run for years to come. And do not do do not let it affect you mentally. Like when you're buying tickets, when you're watching games, when you're putting your actual hard earned money and time and effort into this team, like you can't you can't that can't be surpassed. Like you guys are the reason the Braves are going to be a contender for years to come, and the and the reason the players are going to be signed to these big contracts. Like, this is such a big deal for a team like us that is really rising and coming into stride as far as these young guys go. Like, it just I can't I can't voice it enough. This podcast is obviously we're Braves fans and we're local sports fans, but man, like we are we are so thankful for you guys. Like, this is what's going to drive the Braves for years to come and. Jay, you can talk about this as far as as far as numbers goes, but like when you talk about these contracts coming in, these long term contracts for these guys, like it's all based on revenue. And Liberty Media has just pumped these numbers out to us and told us that the team is set up for years to come. And the support that the team is getting, like, thank you so much, guys, because this is such a big deal as far as baseball goes. And when you're tuning into games like this, obviously a World Series rematch like us between the Astros, like we are in this current series that we're in, and uh, we'll dive into the numbers. But this is such a big deal, and um, 
I don't want the fans to feel like they're not involved because when you talk about a Braves team like we are, like when you watch these games, when you when you're putting up these numbers like we are, like this is such a big deal, and um, it, it's just it, it can't go past what we're talking about like the the podcast itself like you guys are so significant like we appreciate that and the Braves know that themselves like the viewers the 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 ticket sales like it's just it's it's a ridiculous thing to talk about but when you talk about like like all fair we talked about I think 32 games at this point have been sold out like that's a ridiculous number truest park suntrust whatever like you go through the transition but the battery as a whole like you're you're bringing in people that are going to the games they're talking about the bars they're talking about the restaurants you go into all these numbers like the city of atlanta as a whole when you're supporting a team like this it 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 can't you you can't thank enough the fans like this is what makes a difference in a team like this and baseball where it's so revenue driven you talk about a team like the braves like man the fans are what drives the team. And when when a team gets the fans like we are with the Braves and you drive it forward to contracts and, and, and whatever you want to talk about, like it, it cannot be looked over. You talk about teams like the Mets, the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, like teams year in, year out that produce revenue, that produce fandom, that produce views, ticket sales. For the Braves to even be in that conversation is such a blessing. And AA's mentioned it week after week. I mean, the Braves' fan base is one of the strongest in baseball, and that's just crazy to think about. If you were to think about the team five years ago, and, and talk about where we are now, like it's 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 crazy to think about, Jake. And and I know you're going to dive into it, but we, I just want to say, as a podcast and as a as a media source, like this is what's going to propel the team for years to come, and. The more you guys watch the games, the more you guys go to the game. That uh, that's what's going to drive this team, and you cannot put that past what what other teams are doing. So thank you to the city of Atlanta, thank you to the state of Georgia for the Southeast as a whole. Like this team is set up for years to come, and the more we tune in, the more we watch, the more tickets we sell. That's that's what's really going to drive this team. So um, thank you. I want to say that first as far as this podcast goes. But, um, man, we're set up for years and years to come. You see the youth. That's what's really going to drive us to victory and, and success. And long-term contracts, that, that's just such a big deal. No, it, it really is. And yeah, I think you did a great job diving into that, Kenny. Uh, and Atlanta. Atlanta's one of those cities that you look at our professional teams. You look at the Falcons. You look at the Hawks. And it seems like fans kind of have a hard time rallying around those guys. I mean, we have diehards like like us here. We are all diehard fans of every one of those teams, but there's like the Hawks and the Falcons. Those are two teams that people can't seem to stay on and people always like to talk trash on. Even if you're from Atlanta, we see it all the time. People talking about, you know, like the Matt Ryan talk and, you know, the Hawks. Everybody's all oh, the Hawks are never going to win anything. So nobody likes it. But the Braves are one team that it seems like can bring this whole city together. It does not matter where you live around Georgia. You go, you go down to Florida and you will meet as many Braves fans as you will Tampa Bay Rays or Miami Marlins fans. They're the Braves are just, like you said, one of the things around the Southeast, it, people just rally around. And, you know, you go out to public, you go to the Walmart with a Braves hat on, you're going to have somebody walk up to you and be like, man, did you watch that game last night? You see what they did? And a big part of that is because of how well they've they built this whole thing. Like you mentioned it with long-term contracts and getting these guys that, you know, we can lock up for long-term, obviously scouting and all that stuff goes around that. But, you know, you look at teams like the Chicago Cubs and the Washington Nationals and the Kansas City Royals who had success prior in the 2000s 2010s and you know that success went away quick those teams were one year in and two years later they were in the middle of a rebuild because they didn't do the same thing we're talking about you look at the cubs who lost rizzo who lost bryant who lost Baez, who lost everything on that team and then you look at um you go over to the royals and you know the royals were a team that didn't have a lot of star-studded talent they just had a lot of guys but even they fell off the nationals the nationals now lost juan soto they lost anthony rendon to free agency that same year max scherzer's gone steven strasburg has been a crazy case um i would mention bryce harper but you know the nationals did win the world series the year after harper left so um (laughs) i I like harper on this podcast i know kenny's another guy that likes harper so you know we're not going to dog on him too much but you know, Atlanta is just a, a great city, and Liberty Media is one place, one thing that I've always dogged on in the past. But things are different now. Liberty Media—they saw we can win a World Series, and now Liberty Media is willing to go out and spend the money. And 
Nobody can argue that. We have went out and made moves, deals after deals, to add more money to this team, to add more great players to this team. So Liberty Media, Alex Anthopoulos, I don't know what y'all, what conversation y'all had, um, but y'all are doing a great job, and you know I'm really happy to see it keep up. Uh, I, I want to keep it a little bit shorter because we do have a long conversation to get into later. Um, but you know, as Kenny said, you know it, it's been amazing. The fan base has been awesome, and uh, I know the Braves players are enjoying it, man. They they are out in the field and they're trying to show out for the fans. I do want to mention, though, so this is this is going back to the Astros stuff. Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider, and Charlie Morton, man. Those guys went out there and threw some great ball against one of the best offenses in baseball. Every one of them. They all pitched great games. Um, if I would have told you a year ago at the same time that Kyle Wright and Spencer Strider were two of the guys to knock down the, Nas- uh, knock down the Astros in this series, I, I don't feel like anybody would believe me. But, you know, those two guys have been two of the top three pitchers in this rotation this year, and I don't see them going anywhere any anytime soon. The stuff they throw, the pit, their their ability to you know conquer a game. Both of them kind of have that locked in aspect when they're on the on the mound where they you know don't seem like they get phased. Um, another thing I want to mention: the Braves are ten and two since Von Grissom has been called up. Von Grissom, he has been such a huge addition to this team. He's a consistent to get on base at least twice every single game. It seems like the dude walks, the dude puts the ball in play. Does not strike out much. He, he's just the awesome guy you, you like to have after the Matt Olsons and the Travis Darnos and the Austin Riley in the lineup. Um, also, to go along with that, 10-2 and two since Grissom, but we, were, we went 5-2 and two against the Mets and the Astros. So, I feel like he was that spark plug we needed after that really bad Mets series we had like a couple weeks ago. And, you know, he just came up and he's been amazing. Soroka. Soroka started today on Sunday in his rehab assignment down at Gwinnett. And he did not look particularly great. Uh, I think he made it three innings, gave up like four runs. Uh, it was a little bit of a shaky outing. He did not strike down a batter, which was something that's kind of, you know, scary. You like to see the strikeout numbers be up. But, you know, this, it's it's his second rehab assignment, his first one outside of high A, which high A is a lot of guys that were just drafted a year or two ago. So, you know, he'll, he'll get it done. Um, AA was there. AA was in the stance for the rehab assignment. So I know he's keeping a close eye on Soroka seeing when he can add him to the major league club. Hopefully it's going to be sooner rather than later. I think September is a good idea to add Soroka and Albies. I know Albies, we have not really got a rehab assignment, but his is not going to be nearly as lengthy as Mike Soroka. And then my last thing on the Braves, uh, like I said, we're going to keep it kind of short with the Braves because we have this big college football conversation we're going to go into. Marcelo Zuna. And this, this is a guy that every single time we bring him up, I always try to defend him. My ability to defend Marcelo Zuna is, is done. I cannot defend this man any more than what I have. Um, Marcelo Zuna got a DUI earlier this week, and it, this guy, man, he's, he's just problem after problem. On the field, off the field, this guy just has so many issues, man. And the bad thing is, he went out and got a DUI the day after the Braves were able to beat the Mets three out of four and get their ice cream machine, and all the fans were all pumped up. The whole team was pumped up. And this, this buffoon goes out and get, uh, gets a DUI that same night? Like, come on, man. Be better than that. You know, you have all these young guys, these 21-year-olds, these 22, 23-year-olds on this team, and you're one of the veterans, and this is what you do? Like, this, it's, it's not a good look. And on Sunday, his first at-bat back, he chased a slider that was three feet out of the zone, struck out, and the fans booed him, rightfully so. And that is one thing in New York and L.A. and all those places you expect to see it whenever a guy's playing bad. Atlanta, we're not a city like that. If you're playing bad, we will still be with you through it all. But whenever you're doing stuff like this off the field and, you know, you're not even representing yourself well. Like you, you're showing, you seem, I'm not going to talk about you personally because I don't know you personally, but you're showing yourself like a terrible person off the, off the field. You're a bad baseball player on the field. Like we're not going to support you at that point anymore. So Marcelo Zuna, if you get DFA'd today or tomorrow, I'm rooting for it to happen. Like I am done with you. I hope that you never play another game in Major League Baseball. Let me ask you this, Jake. What do you think about the contract situation? Like, I don't really know as much about the intricacies of baseball and, and, and contracts as you do, and, and I'll kind of give that to you and pass that baton to you, but what what do the Braves have recourse-wise as far as contract voidability with Marcelo Zuna at this point? I, I don't know. I, I would assume that they could go to the commissioner and try to do something like that, but you have to think we were just in a lockout uh, a couple months back, and that was one of the big things that the Players Association was was trying to push for was obviously, you know, players getting paid whenever something like this happens. So I, I don't know how that would look right now. Uh, I don't think the contract would be able to be voided. 
even with the off-field issues. And obviously the tradeability of Marcelo Zuna is nothing right now. A lot of people were hoping that maybe we could do like a bad bad contract swap in the offseason. But, you know, even if you look at a guy like Madison and Bumgarner, the, the Diamondbacks aren't going to take on a personality like Marcelo Zuna. And that was one of the ones I was kind of rooting for was this offseason trying to go out and trade for Mad Bum because he's another guy that makes a lot of money. But you offset the contracts and you bring in a guy that could, that could actually help the team. And obviously Bumgarner being a guy from down south, you know, it, it'd be a cool thing to see. But I don't even see a bad contract swap being able to happen at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a weird situation with Marcel because it's like, I mean, we were talking about this guy in the COVID year. I mean, literally the entire league, like this guy was a triple crown candidate. Yeah. And to to go from that to where we are now, like obviously the off-field issues are such a concern, but you take that out of the equation, like this dude just hasn't been producing at the plate at all. And obviously in the field, like he he's a, a non-factor. Like, you bring in a guy like Robbie Grossman, even you talk about a guy like, like Eddie Rosario, like, they're such a, a plus-side fielder in comparison to Marcelo Zuna. But what Marcelo Zuna has been notorious for throughout his entire career is giving you such great at-bats, or game in, game out. Like, he's been such a producer as far as hitting goes, and he just hasn't been able to do that for the Braves this season. So it puts us in a weird position this year because we bring up guys like Vaughn and you talk about Ozzy coming back, and you talk about Eddie Rosario, who's still on the team. Uh, it's just such a weird situation for us because Marcel, like, this isn't a guy that I think, you know, all all field situations aside, like, this isn't a guy that if you were to present Braves fans at the beginning of the season and say, this, you know, Marcel Azuna, what do you think about him? Like, everyone would have told you he's a he's a plus batter. He hits he hits obviously for for amazing power. He's going to produce some RBIs. He's going to hit homers. You know, the, the average might not be there where you'd want it to be. But, I mean, this guy, I mean, literally, man, like, in, in the COVID year, triple crown candidate, like, batting average, RBIs, hits, like, home runs, like, he was there. And, and for the fall off to be where it is now, like, what is going on with this man? Like, it seems like the all-field stuff is really getting to him on a personal level and on a on, on an individual level, but... When it leaks into gameplay week in, week out, like we've seen it, I mean, this guy hasn't been in the lineup for the past week. I mean, we've seen we've seen lineups and starting rotations like week after week with Marcel's been out. Like we've seen Eddie, we've seen Robbie, we've seen Vaughn. Like for him to come into the batting lineup today, and obviously he did not produce whatsoever. Like fans are so low on this guy right now. It just seems like is there any way that he gets back into the favor of the Atlanta fans and and, and for the program as a whole, to the organization as a whole. Like, I don't see any way that this guy could even work his way into, oh, yeah, let's let's stick him in the lineup today. No, and, and Snicker kind of talked about that today because obviously he was in the lineup today for the first time in a while. And uh, he mentioned that Eddie had a sore hamstring, I want to say. Uh, Ronnie, they wanted to put him at DH, give, give him some time off. And he, he said that, you know, Marcel's still on the team right now and he's going to use him as he needs. And it was kind of key to say that he's still on the team right now because obviously he got a DUI and, you know, he didn't stay in jail long. He, he was back. He was back with the team the next day. But there's still legal things that have to kind of go through it. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that something might happen when all that stuff finishes up. Uh, and I, I don't I, I think Marcel's a lost cause at this point. I, I don't think on the field he's going to give you any value. Obviously, off the field, he's nothing but a negative. And uh, I, I feel like that the only thing that you can do is DFM. If they don't, then it is what it is. If they do, it is what it is. Uh, you're losing money either way. So you either keep him on the team as a bench bet, you know, give as another option, a guy that's not really going to produce much. Um, honestly, not even a professional Major League Baseball player at this point on the field, like production-wise. Um, or you DFA him and just lose the money, which I, I, I'm fine with either one of them. I would prefer the DFA just because, like I had mentioned, you have 21-year-old kids on this team, and I don't know if a 32-year-old grown man out there going out there and doing stupid stuff like he is is the best you know, example. But you know, it, it, it's their decision, and I'm, I'm sure that they are going to make the right one for the team. That's all I have on Marcel. Um, like we said, we like to keep it positive on the Braves talk, but there's going to be some negatives come up, and it kind of stinks ever since we started this podcast. Whenever we talk about negatives, most of the time it revolves around Mr. Marcelo Zuna. So. Well, it's such an easy negative to out to. Like, he's really not producing in, in any aspect for the team. Like, I mean, the one thing you could say about Marcel year in, year out that's been a positive factor for this team has been his at-bats. 
but where he stands right now, like this dude isn't giving anything to this team that we couldn't get from an Eddie Rosario or a or a Robbie Grossman or or even I mean, you even talk about guys like like Guillermo Heredia. Like you you put a guy like that in the field, he's going to give you more positive production than than you're going to get from a Marcelo Zuna. So it's just it's a lost cause at this point. And Jake, I really couldn't agree with you more. Like it just feels like Marcelo Zuna does nothing but negatively affect this team. Yeah, and. You know, I, I don't know if you have any more brave stuff to go through. Um, like I said, that was my my Marcelo Zuna take. I, I don't have nothing much else to say about the guy. I'm really disappointed is all I can say. I was a big supporter of Marcel, me and Kenny both. And whenever he was going through his struggles, we we were rooting for him. And we were we were hanging with Marcel and even whenever people weren't. And to see it kind of come back and, you know, bite us in the butt, it, it kind of stinks. Um, and it's 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 a it's a really disappointing thing to see from him. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I I'm I'm with you 100. percent All right, let's 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 bring this energy up. Uh, we only have two segments today. Obviously, that was the Braves. I see Jacob down there. He's got a little grin on. He's he's sipping on a little something right there. Um, Kenny, I I, I let you handle a lot of the football stuff. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same thing today, and I'm gonna let you bring us into our next segment, which is something I do want to mention that me and Kenny have talked about even. Before we got our first episode of the podcast out, this is the first thing that we started planning for with the podcast. And we always said we're going to wait till we get our boy Jacob on here. And we got Jacob. We got Kenny. Obviously, we have me. And we're about to get this thing rolling. This is something that we have been so excited to dig into. So, Kenny, bring us in, man. Let's tell, tell us what we're about to do. You're right, y'all. Well, obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you're either an SEC fan or a dog fan or whatever you may be. So, uh, Without further ado, this is an episode that we have been itching to get to, and uh, tonight is the night. So let's get into it, man. Tonight we have our SEC quarterback rankings for you. This isn't just West. This isn't just East. This is as a whole. So um, I think Jake mentioned it a little bit before off air. We want to start from the bottom up, so let's work it. What do y'all think? Bottom tier SEC, working our way to number one. Your quarterback rankings. Um, I, I'm curious to see what y'all boys have to think because I, I think when I dove into some stats, when I dove into some numbers, and I really got to see what the kind of intricacies were as far as these players go, I was a little bit surprised. So I'm curious to see what y'all have to say about it. Yeah, there's there's so much things that like going into stats and stuff. I know that we had threw together like little mock ones like a couple weeks back when we first started. We had threw together a couple mock quarterback rankings and. I'm happy we didn't push it out so fast and I was able to get a little bit of research in here because you're right. I, I have changed so much more than what I thought. There's some guys I was really, really high on that I've kind of fallen back on. And there's some guys that I was not so high on that I kind of pushed up. So I'm really excited to get into this. And this is going to be a super fun one, man. All right. Well, let's dive into it. Let's start with Jacob, our, uh, our inside source, our guest of the day. What do you think, as far as bottom tier goes in the SEC, your quarterback rankings, what do you think you've got at spot of 14? I think i got to go with Mike Wright from Vanderbilt. He's just not, I don't know, he's just not producing. He's not going to produce. He's just not talented enough to be any higher than 14. Okay, that that's interesting. Uh, I do want to say, I, I have Ken Seals on mine. Um, I it, it doesn't change the ranking to me. I I'm, I'm I have both their stats up here. Um, I do have Ken Seals stats actually typed out. Ken Seals had 1181 yards last year, five tutties, eight interceptions, a 26.6 QBR, which is <laughs> hilariously low. Um, my either only note, one. what is it? Either yeah, one, either, either, either one of them. I I have it 14. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and my only note I have because I don't know much about these guys. I'll be honest with you, uh, Vanderbilt fans, if you are out there, if you happen to be out there, um. Change your team. That's going to be what I want to start off with. Just change your team. Nobody's a Vanderbilt fan. That's not realistic. You're not going to win anything. And my only note I have is place for Vanderbilt will be bad. So, you know, either guy, uh, Mike Wright or Ken Seals, they're both garbage. I want to say Mike Wright had like a 34 QBR, so not much better. And I'm in total agreement with you guys. I actually had Ken Seals listed as my starter, too. I was just kind of trying to keep as as to date as I can with, with depth chart uh, projections. Um, and this is from multiple sources, but I also had Ken Seals here. 
And uh, for sure, he's at my number 14 because you talk about QBR, you talk about efficiency, like this dude is literally bottom of the barrel. And I'll go ahead and kick it off with 13 with the, the level above him for me. Uh, right here, I had Brady Cook with Missouri. Um, he's another guy where you, you talk about lack of production and lack of numbers. Um, he was a no doubt 13 for me. So I don't know what y'all think about that. I also had him at 13. Uh, one thing I will say about Brady Cook is, like you said, it's it's limited numbers, and obviously he plays on a bad football team with Missouri. Um, but last year he had uh, 345 yards, two tutties, no interceptions, and a 87.4 QBR, which is actually really, really good. But like I said, limited play time, that's not going to back anything. Um, he was the backup for Cameron Basilek, who uh, obviously for Missouri fans, that was their poster boy for a while, and nothing ever panned out. So I, I'm kind of on the same route with Brady Cook. And... Uh, I, I don't see him having much upside with that team around him. Um, so he's he's my 13 as well. Hey, I'm in total agreement. I mean, like you said, you said you hit a uh, nail right on the head. It's limited sample size. He might come out and surprise us all, but it's just we haven't seen enough to put him any higher. All right. Well, let's dive into number 12. Um, I, I want to save myself for last. I want to see what you guys think at the 12th spot in the SEC. What do you think about quarterback play? Jacob, you go for it. Go for it first. You'll lead us off right here, Jacob. Right. I kind of think this one, the same the same reason as Brady Cook. There's a little talent there, but not much sample size. I got Jackson Dart at Ole Miss at 12. I mean, that's just haven't seen enough. All right. Okay, we are getting hot here. We are getting hot because I, I, I'm, I'm not going to mention – my opinions on Jackson, Mr. Jackson Dart yet, because I, I'm not there. So I'm, I'm pretty much giving myself away that Jackson Dart is not ranked 12th. <laughs> and it, it's pretty funny because right now in my notes, I have somebody different ranked 12, but I'm going to change somebody live on the podcast right here. Live oh, on okay. the podcast. So just thinking about it, at number 12, I'm going to have Zach Calzada from Auburn. Um, yes, this, this is a guy that I knew Kenny was going to be very high on. Um, last year, in 2021, he had 2,185 yards, 17 tutties, 9 interceptions, and a 57.4 QBR. Um, obviously, the guy transferred from A&M, and he's going to be battling Mr. TJ Finley in a QB battle, somebody that we had mentioned earlier a couple podcasts ago that got arrested from running from police on a moped. So I don't know how it's looking for Mr. Finley. Um, one thing about Zach Calzada is he showed flashes last year. I, I, I will give Calzada that. Obviously, in the Alabama game where Texas A&M took down Alabama, Calzada came out in, in the fourth quarter and looked amazing. Uh, but last year, among qualifying quarterbacks in the SEC, he had the lowest efficiency rating. And obviously, a 57.4 QBR is not good. Um, and I feel like this Auburn team is going to give him less talent around him than a Texas A&M team. So... Sometimes on paper, obviously, you watch Texas A&M. They're, they're a team that a lot of people like to watch. They're one of the higher-rated teams, so I feel like Calzada's going to get a little bit more love, but, dude, that, the numbers just aren't there for me. Uh, counting stats look decent. Obviously, 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions does not sound terrible, but we talk about QBR and efficiency. Dude is bad. So, um, Kenny, I, I guess that kind of leads you into your number 12 spot. All right. Well, this may be my hot take of the year, but at number 12 in SEC quarterback rankings, I have Anthony Richardson. Ooh, 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 okay, okay, we, I'm, I'm far off with both of you guys. I, I'm not, like, super, super far off, but I am far off, and I, I understand, I understand where you're going right here, so I'll, I'll let you keep talking and uh, keep my mouth shut for a little bit. Well, and with Anthony Richardson, I think my biggest thing is, I mean, you, you talk about a guy like this, he's so overhyped, I mean, severely overhyped. You take number 15 off the rafters, put on this dude's back, he's representing Tebow, he's representing Florida. As, as a program, I mean, this dude is just completely garbage, dude. I mean, he's, he's so overhyped. I can't talk about it enough. I've talked about it in podcasts, you know, prior, and I'm talking about it now. Like, I do not understand any ounce of hype around this guy. I mean, it, it sucks for Florida fans and for SEC fans. You're talking about this guy who's gotten so much talk in the offseason. But l let's dive into the numbers a little bit here. He completed 59% of his passes last year in seven games. Like, seven games is not a big sample size, but think about it from a realistic level. This dude, he had 529 yards through the air, six touchdowns, five interceptions. Six to five is not a very good ratio for anybody that's listening. All right? I mean, I, I, I get the argument. He can run. He's a dual threat, blah, blah, blah. But here's what I would say to that. 
if you break down his rushing yards through the games that he's played, it averages out to 57. 57 rushing yards and three touchdowns total throughout the seven games. That's not enough to set you apart from any other quarterback in the conference, dude. I mean, seven games, that's not anything to write home about. I mean, you talk about 57 yards on the ground. You talk about the passing production that I just mentioned. I mean, this dude, I understand the upside. You talk about he's a freak athlete. He can do this. He can do that. Whatever. Like, prove me wrong, Anthony Richardson. But you, I am completely on the dark side with this guy. Like, I do not understand the hype whatsoever. I am completely against this guy. I think Florida is a dumpster fire as a whole program. And obviously I'm biased as a Georgia fan, but this is just looking at it from as realistic of a perspective as I can. Like, I do not understand any kind of positive production you can expect from this guy. Like, is he going to give you numbers? Maybe. But the efficiency is just not there. So I just, I, I am 100% against this guy. And as a Georgia fan, I hope he fails. And I hope this program goes down in flames. Hmm. Uh, I, I, ooh. You know, I, whenever I get to my ranking, we can bring this back up. Obviously, I, I don't, I don't want to discuss it too much now because I haven't rated him. So I, I feel like that might be kind of the path we want to go to whenever somebody finally does rate somebody that you have rated low. That's when you can kind of, kind of hop in and be like, okay, bro. Like, that's when we can kind of get a little bit more discussion going on. So I'm, I'm not going to say too much right here. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it sit. I'm going to let it be. And obviously, we're looking at rating rise. I'm not too far off. So, you know, we, we can go ahead and jump into 11 now. Well, I, look, Jacob, what do, you, what do you think about this? Anthony Richardson to 12. I got him a little, a little higher than that. All right. By a little, I mean a little, like, by a good bit higher than that. Zach Calzada had the worst. He was, like, four spots below Emory Jones last year. And you're complaining about Anthony Richardson's efficiency. The guy had counting stats. I said that. I'll give it to him. We're talking about a bad quarterback that played with a good offense at Texas A&M and is now going to an Auburn offense who is nowhere near as good. And we're going to expect him to be better than Anthony Richardson? I, I'm not like I said. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to go too far into it because I don't. I don't want to give away my Anthony Richardson and my 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 stuff for him. But you know, I it was it's a little questionable for me, Kenny. And there, there's another guy that I have rated in our next one. We're going to talk about that. I don't even see how you rate him above Anthony Richardson. All right. Well, then you know, let's go ahead. Let's dive into number eleven, Jake. Who do you have right here? Number eleven. I have Mr. Jaden Daniels at LSU. Um, Jaden Daniels, 2021 had 2,380 yards, ten touchdowns, ten interceptions, a 67.2 QBR with 710 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. Um, obviously, he played at Arizona State. Um, I, I'm not high on Mr. Jaden Daniels. Um, I will say two years ago, his freshman year at Arizona State, he was great. Um, 17 touchdowns, two interceptions, I believe, was the numbers he had put up in the passing game. And he is a legit dual-threat quarterback. Um, but you're playing at Arizona State, and now you're playing at LSU, where you have to play Auburns. You have to play Alabamas. You have to play Texas A&Ms. I don't think that he is going to be very successful in his in his tenure at LSU. Um obviously if Miles Brennan was this was the person where I'm putting right here, I would have him rated higher, but uh we have not talked about this on the podcast. Miles Brennan announced that he is stepping away from football. So all signs are pointing that Jaden Daniels is going to be the starting quarterback at LSU. And like I said, I'm I'm not too high on the guy. I had him ranked at 12 on my rankings I'm looking at now, but Thinking about it more, I had flipped him and Zach Calzada for that 11 and 12 spot. I also have Jaden Daniels at 11. Um, one thing I say about Jaden Daniels, I get the uncertainties about him coming from Arizona State to an SEC team. Um, I mean, you talk about a guy that had 3,100 total yards last year, 16 total touchdowns, 10 interceptions. The efficiency really isn't there, but when I compare him to a guy with a smaller sample size like Anthony Richardson, I just, I, I really cannot understand the hype around Anthony Richardson. And I'm going to talk about this throughout the entire podcast tonight. But in my opinion, a guy like Jane Daniels has shown me more upside than I would ever see from, from a guy like Anthony Richardson. And if you're a Florida fan, you might look at it differently. You might be super high on this guy. But Jane Daniels, I expect Jaden Daniels to have statistically a pretty similar season to Anthony Richardson this upcoming year. Okay. I also at number eleven have Jaden Daniels. Oh, look at um, that! That's a three peat, boys. Now, now we're now yeah. we're back on track. Now we are back yeah. on track. I just don't think Pac twelve quarterbacks have like 
do very well in the SEC, exactly why I have Jackson Dart as low as I do. Um, Jaden Daniels has a little bit little bit more to show for it than Jackson Dart, but, I mean, we've seen what S- or Pac-12 quarterbacks done before in the SEC, and it's not very well. Well, uh, one sec, everybody on the podcast side, uh, on the YouTube side, Jacob is completely frozen. So, um, give me one sec. I'm going to see what he has going on. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, oh, I think he's back. Jacob, are you here? Yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you the whole time. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. You are back. Okay. Podcast guys, right. we, we are back on. So Jacob, go ahead and give your Jaden Daniels stuff again. All right. I just, I was basically just saying that, uh, with Jaden Daniels, I just don't think Pac-12 quarterbacks fare well in the SEC. A lot different defenses when they come over to this side. Um, same thing with Jackson Dart. That's why I had him so low. Um, just think Jaden Daniels had a little bit more to show for it than Jackson did. I respect that. And I would agree with that. I mean, Jaden Daniels, he gives you a little bit more sample size than you can expect from a guy like Jackson Dart. Obviously, I think a guy like Jackson Dart – I haven't got to him yet on my rankings. I think he has a little bit more upside, but I, I don't think it's a bad take at all. No, not at all. All right, does that bring us to 10? Right, is everybody, is everybody 10. good? I think we all agreed on Jaden Daniels at 11, so I don't think we could put too much debate in that thought. I, I agree. Jake, why don't you kick us off at 10? All right, so 10. Uh, I have the guy we were just talking about, Jackson Dart from Ole Miss. Uh, in 2021, obviously at USC, uh, he had 1,353 yards with nine tutties, five interceptions, and a 67.7 QBR. He only he only started three games at USC as a freshman in 2021, and obviously this guy was uh, a top quarterback in his class. I want to say he was the number two pocket passer from his class. Um, last year was just his freshman year. Um, and one thing about Jackson Dart I do like over Jaden Daniels is Jaden Daniels is more of a running quarterback, and Jackson Dart is more of a passer. And Jackson Dart's arm talent is insane. This guy can sling the ball all over the yard. And not to mention, he's going to Ole Miss, which is a system that benefits quarterback play a lot. Obviously, we saw Tamu play there, or Tamu, whatever his name was, with the apostrophe in the middle of it. And uh, now we had got to see, uh, obviously, the guy that's playing in Carolina right now, Mr. Matt Corral. So, you know, this is a system with Lane Kiffin, I feel like, the benefits quarterback play and... I'm not expecting too much crazy stuff from Jackson Dart. Obviously, if I was, I wouldn't rank him at 10. But uh, I will say this guy, he's he's a great passer. He's not much of a runner, but he, he will take off if he has to. He he does have a couple rushing stats. I want to say he rushed for either two or three touchdowns last year in limited playtime. And uh, I think the upside, like Kenny said earlier, the upside of this guy is is crazy. No, I agree 100%. Jacob, what do you think about 10 here? And I got... Uh... Where Jake had a had Calzada from Auburn. Um, I mean, I think he's. I put him above the guys before because I think he's still got that talent. I think he's still going to do decent. You're right; he doesn't have the talent that he had A and M surrounding him. But I still think he has enough talent to win a few games. You know, like maybe. I'm not going to go into the rankings, but probably like six, seven games. That's he could win himself. Well, he's he's, uh, he's going to have to do a lot to win six or seven games himself because Auburn this year is not going to win six or seven games. This is uh, this is a hot take for me. I'm just saying. You know, Auburn is a dumpster fire of an organization. But to agree with Jacob here, I also have Zach Calzada ranked at my ten. Uh, and the reason I have him here is you talk about a guy with 2,200 yards, uh, 18 touchdowns, nine interceptions, and 12 games last year. Uh, he did take the job from Haynes King after Haynes King went down with that injury. So I look at a guy like Calzada, especially with all the drama with T.J. Finley coming out with him, you know, getting in legal trouble. I look at a guy like Calzada from a perspective of I really think he needs to be more consistent. But, you know, with him getting the starting nod at Auburn as far as all the depth charts charts that I've seen so far, um, I think this is a guy that, you know, based on pure experience, like he's seen SEC play week in, week out, like – I think he's going to give you some positive production. It might not be stellar, but you know, you're comparing the SEC as a whole. I think 10 is a pretty fair assumption of what this guy's season is going to look like. Okay. I, I agree. So that brings us to nine. Are we on nine now? We are on number nine. All right, number nine. Who wants to lead us off? Jacob, have you led us off yet? I've led us off like the past few times. All right, so I, I, I'll, t- I'll take nine. 
I'll take nine right here, right now. And this is where I have Mr. AR-15 rated in my top 14 or top starting quarterbacks in the SEC. Um, 20 with 21 stats. So he had 529 yards passing, six touchdowns, five interceptions, a 71.2 QBR, um, 401 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. Last year, he spent most of his time being the backup to Mr. Emory Jones, who is now at Arizona State, I want to say. And uh, one thing I will say about Anthony Richardson is that he might be the most athletic quarterback in college football. And I, I, I don't think that's there's much of an argument against that. The dude is a complete athlete. And he has a lot of potential to be one of the best dual threats in college football. He has a super strong arm, and the dude can run like crazy. Now, Kenny mentioned earlier the sample size is small, and you know, in limited playing time, he did struggle. But the game that we saw Anthony Richardson in most was Georgia, and I want to I want to be fair for Mr. Anthony Richardson. This is a guy I talk a lot of trash on almost every podcast, but I want I want to see a quarterback beside that's not named Bryce Young uh, that had great success against Georgia, especially with an offense around him like Florida had last year. Um, I do mention in my notes that uh, Florida does not have much talent around him on the offensive side of the football. Uh, I, I don't think that this offense is going to be great, but this is a quarterback ranking, not an offense ranking. Um, I also say that he's overrated. I, I, I agree with you on that aspect, Kenny, that some of these national rankings that have this guy around top five, that is absolutely ridiculous because he has not shown us that. And even though the talent might be there, the skill set might be there, he's he's not that level of quarterback. And with this team he has around him, I, I don't see him reaching that, at least not this year. Um, so that that's my points on number nine with Anthony, Anthony Richardson. I, I think the upside's there, but he has a lot to prove to me that, you know, he's he's going to be one of those top five quarterbacks in this SEC, especially a very strong quarterback SEC this year. I agree 100%. Jacob, what do you think about number nine right here? I also have to agree with Jake here. I have Anthony Richardson. Um, same same exact reasons. I don't think he's got the talent around him. I don't think he's he's very he has the ceiling. He's got a bunch of talent, but he does not have he hasn't shown that he can use it well in the sample size that he's given us. All right. I like that. I'll go ahead and say it. Number nine for me, this is where I have Mr. Haynes King. Um, Haynes King for me, I mean, you talk about a guy that college football really just hasn't seen a lot from this dude. I mean, he gets the starting nod two years in a row. You talk about Zach Calzada and the production that he has, and we already talked about him, but Haynes King, excuse me, Haynes King earned the starting nod over him last year. And I think that's really a testament to Jimbo as a coach and Jimbo and the history that he has with quarterbacks and the highly touted and highly graded quarterbacks that Jimbo has, like, I think about Haynes King, even though we really haven't seen him play, like, obviously, athletically, the upside's there. This dude was, like, a top five dual-threat quarterback in his year class, but a coach like Jimbo giving him the starting job over a guy like Max Johnson, over a guy like Zach Calzada, who has given solid, positive production from their respective teams, I think Haynes King, he might be a sleeper here for, for a super productive quarterback in the SEC. That's why I have him at number nine right here. Okay. Okay. I like I like Mr. Haynes, and I, I do want to mention that uh, a lot of some of the, some of these teams, it's it's projections, and uh, we might have some different starters projected. Uh, so I'm I'm not I'm not gonna go too far into that. Like obviously with with uh, Vanderbilt, we had different guys. Um, so Haynes King right now, obviously, he's in a quarterback battle with Mr. Mac Johnson. So you know, I I, I agree with the rating. I, I think that's a that's a solid solid spot for Haynes King. All right, well, number eight. Let's dive into number eight. Who wants to kick it off here? Kenny, you, you, you lead us off. You, you kick us off with eight. All right, number eight for me. I've got Jackson Dart right here. Um, I think Jackson Dart, he's a guy who he really got his feet with, feet with, with USC last year, um, and now he, he gets the keys to this offense, man. This is kind of a high-powered offense in that Lane Kiffin program. Um, I, I really, I, I'm pretty optimistic about Jackson Dart, I will say. He's a guy that we really saw some good play out of at USC. You bring him into the SEC, I think he's going to kind of follow suit. Um, I mean, he he threw for almost 400 yards in a game against Washington State last year with 325 yards against UCLA. Um, He's got a ton of pure talent, and and that's kind of similar to a Spencer Rattler for me. Like, 
the talent is raw and it's there and, and his arm talent is it's ready to go. It's just a factor of can you get him to fit into that program sense and, and really drive your team and lead your team throughout a season. So that's my question mark for Jackson Dart. I mean, talent wise, I think this dude's top five, but that's why I've got him right here at number eight for me. All right, I, I agree with Jackson Dart. I think that Jackson Dart's a guy that could come over here and light it up. Uh I, I think, like you said, the arm talent's there. The guy has crazy talent, crazy ability to throw a football. I didn't want to reach this high up on him because there are some guys, like like I'm going to mention right here, that I think, you know, a little bit more proven than he is. But uh, I, I do like that one. And I'm, I'm going to kick this one off, Jacob. I'm, I'm going to save yours for last on this. Um, I have at eight, and this is going back to the starters and, you know, trying to figure out who the starters. I actually have Max Johnson from Texas A&M. Um, I have Max Johnson getting that job. And I know we've had this conversation plenty of times, me and you, Kenny, talking about who, who's going to have that job, Haynes King and Max Johnson. And honestly, I think the signs point at Haynes King. But for ranking-wise, um, Max Johnson, to me, is, is who I wanted to throw on my list. Um, 2021 stats. The guy had 2,815 yards, 27 tutties, six interceptions with a 63.2 QBR. Um, as I mentioned, he's competing with Haynes King for the starting job. And I will say, if I had Haynes King as my starter for AM. Haynes King would not be this high on the list. Haynes King would have been nine. Anthony Richardson would have been eight. So that's that's just my, you know, my little pre-take if I had Haynes King here. Um, obviously, Max Johnson. This is his first year at Texas A&M. He's, he's transferring over from LSU after a great year at LSU. Um, and he will get a chance, in my opinion, to play with a better offense now with Texas A&M than he had last year. And the numbers, obviously, the counting stats were there. The efficiency numbers were a little bit low. Um, he was eighth in the SEC last year in passing efficiency, which is not great. But he, ha- he did have the fourth most yards per game. Um, so I, I see Max Johnson te- taking over that Texas A&M team. And, you know, if, if he can have similar production from last year with, with a better team around him, I think that he could do something really, really good for Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm going to – this is going to be, the, I think, the fourth one we've agreed on. I have in my notes it says Max Joss, Johnson slash Haynes King. Either one of them, I think they both fit here at eight. Um, I think they're both better than Anthony Richardson can be better than Anthony Richardson, but I kind of feel like this might be one of the last rankings to where it kind of steps up another tier in quarterback play after from seven to one. I agree. And I just I couldn't, agree. I couldn't put him any higher than eight, obviously. I agree that with that a hundred percent here. Um, uh, well, I do want to say thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. I'm ca- sorry. I had kind of a weird cutout, but we're going to do a uh, part two on Wednesday. So, podcast side i I hope y'all guys enjoyed and uh thank you so much for always tuning in and being supportive of the podcast uh you know if you're listening to us on the podcast side check us out on youtube you can check out our live stream see us and uh just you know appreciate you guys so much jacob you have any closing words for me um no i think you hit it you did great as always appreciate Um, i'll see you tuesday yes sir i guess wednesday on the podcast side (laughs) wednesday see you man see you